the In This League Podcast Network. In this ring, in this corner, Joe Pizzapia. This corner, Tim Heaney. Gentlemen, let's go. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe and Pete, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to In This Ring, the greatest wrestling podcast in the history of the universe. It's me, it's Tim Heaney, and it's you. And oh my goodness, what a weekend of wrestling it's been. Toronto was fun. Oh my goodness, four days of wrestling, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm a little exhausted, but the good kind of exhausted because it was a great weekend. I can't imagine how exhausted Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole are after an incredible NXT match yet again, the third in the trilogy. I keep saying, how are they going to raise the bar? How are they going to be better? And they were yet again. So we're going to break down NXT. We're going to talk about the aftermath. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about SummerSlam. And Tim Heaney, are you a little overloaded with your Canadian wrestling stuff? Or have you seen enough Canadian flags and Canadian heroes? Are we ready to uh, move on from Toronto now? Hey, man, I was drinking all my Labatt chugging maple syrup. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm recovering just now. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you are. Plus, we also had a huge return which was great, which we'll get to in a bit. So it's great when we have a lot to talk about, but it's even better when we have some of our friends. And my next friend here, you probably know from the Sirius XM Fantasy Morning Show uh, because he hosts Sirius XM Fantasy Football with John Hansen. And I didn't realize all these years, uh, knowing that I used to work in Sirius for uh, about five years, I was on air there. I knew Paul, but I, I never realized that he was a big wrestling guy. Had I known that, who knows where, where things might have gone, but he's here with us today. He's the one, the only Paul Kelly. Paul, how the hell are you, my friend? Uh, doing good. Recovering, man, from four straight days of shows. I mean, and not that I was in Toronto or in the ring or anything like that, but just watching it, guys, was exhausting. But it was a lot of fun and uh, certainly a lot we could talk about here. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in it. We'll, we'll start with SummerSlam. And, you know, I kind of want to start at the top. Sometimes we start at the beginning. Sometimes we start at the top. I want to start at the top with the changing of the title again and moving it back to Seth Rollins, which I think gave everybody the moment they wanted, which was fun. I think it was interesting that they actually allowed him to kind of beat him clean because you don't see a lot of Brock Lesnar clean losses. It's not really the MO in recent years with Brock Lesnar. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you. How did you feel about uh, this changeover of the title again where they took the belt off Seth and then put it back on him? I don't know if it's like kind of rebooting him again or just kind of, hey, we just need the big marquee name and we need Brock and it's better to have Seth Chase kind of situation. So what was your take on the changing of the title here for uh, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar? I mean, I didn't agree with them taking it off Rollins and putting it back on Lesnar to begin Agreed. with. I was not a fan of that, but uh, I was happy that they did the quick change back. Um, and look, they've built up Seth Rollins as the Beast Slayer, right? If you're going to be the Beast Slayer, and we're going to sell T-shirts that say Beast Slayer and all that, you've got to be the Beast Slayer. So I was glad that they let him slay the Beast, as you said, cleanly in the match. Um, and look, I think it just makes sense that you have your Universal Champion on TV every week, at the house shows, I mean, it just makes sense to have a guy who's actually working be the champion and the face of your brand. So, and I thought it was a really good match too. It was very entertaining. Um, I know Lesnar matches, you know, sometimes uh, we can't say that about, but I thought that they did a great job of storytelling with this one. And I was very happy with the finish. Yeah, Tim, I, I agree with what Paul saying there too. It's, uh, you know, before we started, Paul and I were talking about the Roman Reigns, Buddy Murphy match and how some guys are just better when they're working. The bigger guys 
who are not want to say lumbering, but you know, they're just the bigger guys. They're not quite as, uh, I guess athletics, the bad word too, but they're, they're not quite as spectacular sometimes as in terms of selling, in terms of uh, pairing them together. When you have the other guy, who's the more athletic guy, I feel like the best matches we've seen out of Brock were Daniel Bryan recently, AJ Styles recently. And now this one with Seth, uh, to me, this was the perfect length. And to me, the perfect opportunity as well, Tim, to have, uh, Brock actually have a good match where everybody left still feeling pretty good about Lesnar, but feeling better about Rollins getting that belt. Yeah, and and even Finn Balor to that list as well. That was a that was a very nice match between the two of them as well. Yeah, Brock likes to work with the guys that can kind of you know do dances around him and kind of carry him through some of the the longer spots there. And you know they had they still had kind of like the Brock breather spots on the outside and stuff like that, the great splash of the table. But no, Brock always brings takes it up a notch with these matches with these more athletic people and. And this is the best story they've told with Seth Rollins in a long time. I think that maybe exaggerated with some of the stuff, trying to get his ass kicked all the time. But, you know, the promo he did the Raw before SummerSlam was maybe his best ever. I thought the writing was excellent for that. So, yeah, really a, a good payoff all around here. Now, if you're wondering why Tim Heaney sounds like he's calling on a phone, it's because he's calling on a phone because some technical <laughs> issues. But there's no way we're not doing the show today because you just go through, you soldier through, that's what you do. So all you people who like to sometimes, you know, like drop thing, what's going on with the audio? That's what's going on with the audio. Don't worry. We'll get it back together. Everything will be fine. But when we had a, a guest, we're not going to let them wait. So it's more important to get the job done. And speaking of getting the job done, I thought the theater of the Bray Wyatt entrance the the old face of Bray Wyatt with the eye sewn shut and the hair being the handle of the lantern in the mouth. The whole thing, start to finish, was so well-crafted. It worked completely. The match was the perfect length again, too. Uh, the perfect story. You gave Finn that one little flurry of activity there where he fought back, and then that mandible claw really works for this character. It's just the whole thing just works. So, Tim, were you as excited about the, the theater of this whole thing. Cause it seemed like the crowd afterwards was just, I mean, that was like the standing ovation of the night where they just applauded the show. It was like the show, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, every detail about that was beautiful. You know, the fact that his head was the lantern, basically that was a oh. really nice detail. Uh, the, the remix of the theme song was really nice, you know, like a little bit more the edgier slasher film murdery type of vibe. The whole thing was really good. I mean, the nitpick was that we actually saw Finn Balor after the match. Uh, I thought he should have just disappeared and made it even put it over like the hundred percent creepy level there. But everything about that match was good. You know, the Finn got a little bit of offense and wasn't wasn't too dominant, wasn't really too you know powerful against the the fiend. But yeah, I, just the, the the mask being itself, and, and we saw that he kind of worked through it okay, a little slower style. But that's what it should be. He should be using his power. He should be using his aura of, of evil there. So yeah, nice work all around. Another another one of the big highlights of the night. And taking a page out of The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels' famous WrestleMania match, too. You got the all-in-white hero, you know, coming in there, and then the, the, the darkness of The Fiend. So, Paul, did The Fiend character in the ring work out for you as well as all of the build-up for The Fiend character outside the ring? No, I think it absolutely delivered. And again, I think people were just so uh, jazzed to see, you know, what the ring attire was going to be. What was the entrance music going to be? Were they going to incorporate the Firefly Funhouse music into the th I thought it was perfect the way that they did it. And it's funny, I was talking to somebody about this last week and we were discussing about what the entrance music might be like. And I suggested that they do something similar to what they did 25 years ago uh, when Doink the Clown went heel. 
and they started with the real happy-go-lucky clown music, and then it got really dark. And that's what they did here with uh, with the Fiends. They started with the Firefly Funhouse music, and then it got really dark. And then uh, Tim, like you said, when they went into the remix of his original theme music, I was like, this is just super cool. But uh, I, I thought that people were really excited to see The Fiend based upon the weeks and weeks and weeks of buildup. And I think at the end of the day, uh, they delivered. And, and it's clear that they've invested so much time, uh, you know, they're, they're, all the details like the lantern that you mentioned and the music and the entrance. They're going to protect the fiend and they're going to push this guy to the moon. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah. And, and it's a great opportunity here, too, where this is a character that doesn't need a belt. And I think that they should be very careful of putting a belt on him. You know, the, it's great that you can have a character that can support storylines and support things going on. And it's kind of like Undertaker. We've had that conversation on the show. Undertaker was never, in my opinion, a great champion. Undertaker is a great character. Undertaker, when you think of the great feuds, you don't always think about them and the title. You just think about the feuds. And I think that's very important and something that's kind of lacking a little bit. You also see a Finn Balor, too, before, if anybody saw that pre-pre-show where AJ Styles and the and the I was like the club the OC whatever they want to call themselves now um, that whole thing where either Finn's going to come back and with them with some help from his friends or he comes back as the demon whatever it is it'll be fascinating to see how long he really is out because they are saying he's going to take a little bit of a a well deserved break which I can understand um, I don't think he's leaving the company I don't believe any of those stupid rumors because. I think everybody's enjoying their payday at WWE. All right, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. This one for me, guys, did not hit the mark. Um, I was, I've was i been of the mind, and I've said on the show a bunch, Paul, that I felt like Kofi, Randy Orton, this whole thing with Kofi where it was such a great buzz. It was so much fun. But I think you want to get out of the business of Kofi being champion sooner than later because you don't want it to drag to the point where you start to want to take the belt off of him. Because then I think it kind of dies a little bit and it kind of ends up hurting Kofi on the back end. How do you feel about where they're at right now with Kofi as champ, Paul? Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I thought that at SummerSlam, it might have been the end of the line. I thought we might have seen a title change there going to Randy Orton. Uh, of course, uh, SmackDown Live making the move to Fox here in, in a couple of months. And, and we know that uh, they're making a huge push uh, when that launch happens. And, and I don't know that Kofi's going to be the champion by the time that rolls around. I thought maybe it would be Randy. Um, I'm with you, though. The, the, the match didn't deliver. I mean, certainly the finish tells us that uh you know we've got more kofi randy orton matches still to come and certainly they played that up on smackdown uh this week as well but i think we're looking at uh, at least one pay-per-view if not two more pay-per-view matches between these two um but but i i do think that you know let's get the title off of kofi and and whether it's randy orton or somebody else i do think it's time for a switch all right tim do you think randy orton's the right guy to take that belt is no. is he the way they want to go i don't either not at all. Uh, I thought this, they built it up so well for the one match to really decide it because they went to the history of the two of them. The Shamas finish just really didn't do it for me either. I think that, if they, if they, like Paul said, if they drag this on, it's not going to do anybody any favors in this feud. I mean, you maybe get the one, the one off six man tag, you know, was interesting, but they probably should have just kind of rushed and done this all before SummerSlam before that. But yeah, Randy Orton is not the guy that you want to get that momentum to take the belt off Kofi because he's already done it so many times and he's not the guy that you want to kind of push forward in the future. You know, maybe it's, maybe that's how you get Brock Lesnar to be champion again and, and headline SmackDown for, uh, for Fox there. All right, let's move on, shift gears a little bit to Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Now, last week when we had Stryker on the show, 
Uh, if you missed that, go back and listen to last week because Matt Stryker was on the show and gave us a great uh, half-hour interview. Talked a ton about his his roots in the business and you know stuff going on now in the business and everything in between. Uh, but we talked about when you have these legends come back, putting them with people that can just absolutely not carry the matches, but support them at the very least. And I actually thought the Charlotte Flair Trish Stratus match was pretty good. I, I found it entertaining. I think it worked on the level it was supposed to work at. Uh, it was the finish it was supposed to be. And I think a really nice moment at the end there for her to kind of go out on top, uh, you know, not in the sense of, you know, like, hey, this is my moment in Toronto. Yeah, I lost the match, but you had a great moment with her and the local crowd. I thought that was all correct. I think this one hit everything properly. It was the right feel. Tim, did you enjoy this one? Because I, I actually did. One of the better matches of the night. I think it took a little while for them to find a little chemistry. It, did, it, it started a little you, slow. You're right about you that. Saw, yeah. you, you saw Trish kind of hesitate on some things in the beginning, but then I guess she kind of found them. You know, she found her old uh, magic, I guess. And yeah, it was it was, a, it was a very satisfying match. And I think that she held up. Oh, her boo. <laughs> get out. That's, get my out. That's my one. All right. I get my one. Um, you don't have yeah, any kids to... yet. You're not allowed to make the dad jokes. That's my job around here. Stop taking it. Hey, I was raised right. I started doing it as a kid. So don't even give me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, but I, I think that Charlotte and Trish, you know, it was a nice, nice match. I think Charlotte proved that she could work with just about anybody. Uh, and Trish went out on you know, on a good note in her home country. It made a lot of sense. It was, it was, it was a good setup. All right. So let's move over to the Bailey Ember moon match, Paul. And looking at that one too, we, we all pretty much assume that Bailey is going to be victorious um, from the NXT days. Both of these gals, just incredible workers, incredible athleticism. Did this match meet your standard of expectation? No, I mean, and for starters, for me, I thought it was built up really poorly. I mean, there wasn't a great storyline reason for us to care about the outcome of this match, which is a problem in and of itself. Now, the other thing, too, is, you know, look at where this match was positioned on the card versus where, you know, like Charlotte and Trish were. Um, you know, do people care about the SmackDown Women's Champion? I don't think right now that people are all that invested in it. So I think they need to do something here uh, with Bailey moving forward. Uh, you know, give her a better storyline because we didn't have much of one going into this match. Match itself. I didn't think was uh, all that entertaining. It was just okay for me. Uh, I wasn't at all surprised with the finish, you know, that Bailey won the match, um, but it was just okay for me. Now, going back to about match positioning too, the first match was Becky and Natalia, and I thought this was actually the right way to start the show. I think that, you know, considering what you had on the card later on with the local hero of Trish Stratus and all that, and obviously the big match yeah. at the very end, that this was the perfect way to start. Everybody's all hyped up, ready to go. And then you start, but my whole thing was this was the wrong order to bring them out. You bring Natalia out first and you allow her that kind of moment because as soon as Becky comes out, no matter who Becky's going against, I don't care if the other person's a Canadian icon or not, or I don't care if they're related to the Hart family. Becky is the hottest thing that they have still. And to me, this kind of put them in a weird deficit to begin with a little bit in this match, but I thought the match was was fine. It was good, solid. Um, I think that they just kind of should have inverted and anticipated the fact that they could have started and had the Natalia moment and then blew up the building with Becky Lynch. So that's a little nitpicky, but Paul, do you kind of see where I'm coming from with that? I 100% agree with you there. And I understood what they were doing in, in bringing Becky out first. Like, Hey, we're going to start this show with a bang. Becky's coming out. We're going to blow the roof right off at the beginning. I agree though, that Natalia should have come out first. They should have given her, you know, her moment and all that, because as you said, you know, 
know that when Becky is coming out, it's going to dwarf whatever just happened. Right. So, um, but the match itself, I, I thought told a good story. I thought it was entertaining. I thought there were some really good spots in the match. I don't think there was any doubt as to what the outcome was going to be. I don't think anybody thought Natalia was going over and winning the title. Um, but I thought that the match absolutely met expectations. Now, Goldberg, Dolph Ziggler, I don't know what our expectations were for this, but um, I was never a Goldberg guy. Even at the peak of Goldberg, uh, I was always I was just always kind of saying the same thing, which is, you know, if I'm watching WCW, and, and I did not as much as I watched WWE religiously, but, you know, I, I was watching WCW so I could watch Eddie Guerrero and I could watch Chris Jericho and those guys work. That's what I was watching for. So, Tim, you got the Goldberg kind of... This is the redemption of Goldberg after that just hilarious. I don't look. There's no other word for it. It was hilarious. The whole thing that happened in Saudi Arabia was hysterical start to finish from the moment he came out to the moment he had no idea where he was in the ring. And yeah, I mean, injuries happen. Things happen, but it doesn't make it not entertaining and funny. So have they wiped that sleek clean here with this whole Dolph Ziggler squash or what for you, Tim? Uh, kinda. Uh, <laughs> they, they, well, they, fact, they actually booked Goldberg to someone who, you know, doesn't going to get gassed with him for like, if you know, a 15 minute match or something is it was booked the best way it could have been to balance out keeping Goldberg as this mythical guy who can only wrestle for five minutes and Dolph Ziggler to save him from taking a, a yet another loss and looking at least a little bit competent. The, 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 the uh, Monty Python stuff there uh, at the end was yes, pretty funny. Very black uh, night. That's all I kept thinking about too. <laughs> well, the only thing I didn't get, but Paul, you, yeah, what I didn't get, but Paul, remember when he kept saying, you have the guts to face me one-on-one, and all I kept thinking, I was like, didn't he just face you one-on-one? Like, just that, just happened? Happened? that just happened, like, twice? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wish he had said better stuff, but I, I did like the, you know, is that all you got, whatever. That that was fine. The whole Black Knight thing was was fun, and I'm, I feel like that was almost Dolph's idea, like, being the comedy yeah. guy that he kind of got that it would be funny yeah. if he came in in threes and did it. You know, that just kind of feels like that's that's Nick Nemeth's mo like he gets yeah. he gets sometimes the entertaining stuff uh I think was so. also very I, I think he knew yeah. he, he knew he was going to get squashed in the match no matter what right that was going to be the finish was he was going to get squashed in the match so i think he found a way to be entertaining and have fun with it you're right he did and i think when we left honestly i still think higher of dolph ziggler <laughs> as always but i definitely left that match feeling better about ziggler than i did about goldberg because it was just like okay great goldberg's gotten back to the middle again congratulations like that's that's about your bar <laughs> You've gone from hilarious, you're a joke, although I, I do love when he's a joke because then I get the funny Matt Riddle uh, videos, which if you haven't seen the Matt Riddle Goldberg videos, God, they're hilarious. Like, oh, what a knee bar, bro. <laughs> he's just going on and on about how bad Goldberg is. Uh, you know he was going to get penalized for it, but he just didn't care because it was just personal for him. But uh, what was entertaining was AJ Styles and Ricochet. Um and this continues to be a great feud. I always say it, Paul. I love AJ as the heel. He is so much more comfortable outside the ring, inside the ring. It just works. It's the right mode for him. Just like I love Finn Balor more when he's the demon because he wrestles with an edge. Same thing with Edge. AJ. He wrestles with an edge. Um, how do you feel about Ricochet taking the loss here again, too? Do you think this stunts him at all? Or do you think it doesn't matter because this guy is just such a shining star. No matter what you do, you're just not going to keep him down with losses. I think the question is, where does Ricochet go from here? You know, is he ultimately going to win the title back from AJ Styles or is this feud going to end and is Ricochet going to move on to something else? Um, you know, I don't think that 
we could say it's really stunted Ricochet. I mean, he's got such a long career in front of him, and I think people are just so excited to see him because he does things in and outside the ring that, frankly, most of us haven't seen before, at least not on a national level, uh, the way that we're seeing here with Ricochet. So I agree with you, though, on, on AJ Styles. I always liked him better as a heel. I like that he's, uh, you know, back with uh, with Gallows and Anderson, and, you know, they've got their whole little heel stable going there. So um, this is a good feud, and, and it probably continues uh, a little bit longer here. But I think regardless of, you know, whether AJ Styles, uh, you know, hangs on to the title or if Ricochet ultimately gets it back, um, I think both of these guys will come out of it fine. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. We didn't even mention this at the top of the show. There's so many things that happened, but King of the Ring is announced too. Is Ricochet, Paul, for you, that guy that might be uh, perfectly suited? Because his old gimmick used to be King Ricochet. That was kind of his thing. Is this kind of their way of maybe giving him, you know, that secondary thing where you go, okay, well, what do you do with him now? Well, maybe King of the Ring is a good anointing possibility for him. Uh, it is. Yeah, I could see that happening. Although I've always thought that King of the Ring works better for a heel. You know, be proclaiming yourself the king and uh, your royalty and everybody else are, are peasants. I mean, that's definitely a, a great heel character, uh, you know, trait to have. So, yeah, I don't know that, that they'll go in that direction with Ricochet. I'd be fine if they did, but I, I think I'd rather see them go with a heel winning the tournament. I, I like mean, that they're doing the tournament on TV and not a, and not yeah. as a actual pay-per-view. I actually think it's cool because it helps fill the enormous amount of hours they're going to do. And I think this going forward is very smart. Tim, I'm going to give you the names of these people real quick. And then, and we'll get to the last couple matches here. Baron Corbin, Cesaro, Cedric, Alexander, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, and the Miz, the SmackDown side, uh, Ali, Andrade, Apollo Cruz, Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable. I mean, God, there's a who's who, man. Elias, Kevin Owen, Shelton Benjamin. There's some fantastic in-ring talent. If you had to put the odds, who's your favorite to win King of the Ring? Uh, Tim. Uh, Scottish King Drew McIntyre would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> Scottish. Uh, Andrade's probably a close second. Maybe Joe, if they really want to give him like kind of a little little nod because he hasn't won a title yet. He keeps coming close. Maybe King of the Ring would be good for Joe. Yeah, but man, is he good. <laughs> Drew's, my, Drew's my best. I'll tell you what, you know, for those of you who don't watch that NXT product or, or as much, and, and if you still aren't, I'm telling you, it's it's the best wrestling product out there right now in terms of complete package. Go back and watch Aleister Black versus Andrade, Cien Almas at the time, still Cien Almas. Uh, go back and watch that from TakeOver, like, la was it last two years? Now, was it two summers ago? I don't know when it was. It, it was it was enough time ago where just go back and find it on the network and watch it. You will be pleased. So who is your favorite to win King of the Ring? Are you with Drew McIntyre as well, Paul? Yeah, I'm with Drew McIntyre, too. I think it makes an awful lot of sense, especially because over the last couple of months, I mean, we've seen him uh, lose more than his fair share of matches. So I think this may be, uh, you know, put some luster back on him. So, yeah, I think Drew McIntyre would be my pick. Uh, Andrade is interesting, too. I think that could be a lot of fun with Zelina Vega, too. Um, that would be fun. And the other one, if I'm going with a third person, I would say maybe Baron Corbin could do really oh. well with the king. You know what? I don't, haven't don't missed Baron Corbin at all. You know, I just it's amazing. I just haven't haven't missed him. Don't care. Like he is it just the other day I just realized it too. I was like, huh, yeah, haven't seen him in a while. Oh well, like I don't care. Like you could completely move on without <laughs> him. And I and here's the thing, like I don't mind the the guy that you hate so much. Like I'm fine with that. It's just I think it's gotten to a point where it's more just it's fatigue more than hatred. And I think that's a dangerous place to be when you get to the fatigue stage of things. So uh, let's talk about the other big one. The the one that was basically left on this card that we haven't talked about, which was the last Canadian hero on this uh, single slate. By the way, all singles matches on this, which was uh, very different than what you see normally uh, on a pay-per-view card. Usually there's a three-way match, a four-way 
matches, no tag team, nothing. It was all just singles matches, which I thought was cool to do, something different. But we had KO and Shane McMahon, and KO got the victory. I thought this was fun. Tim, I thought this was a fun way to go. You know, they had Elias in there. You had the whole struggle, like, should I just beat the crap out of him or should I keep my job? And he did, and it was, it worked. I think it worked as it was supposed to. Uh, we'll see. I, the problem is, I feel like it's just going to continue. And that's my problem with it. Like, why uh, isn't it just over uh, now? And they continued on to SmackDown. I guess that's my bigger problem. Uh, it's not what happened at SummerSlam. It's happened after SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, that match wasn't going to be rated for, you know, Dave Meltzer stars or anything like that. We were watching for the quality. <laughs> we were just watching for the story. Uh, so, yeah, it, it paid off. Kevin Owens was, like like you said in the preview, was was the one Canadian to come out on top. And it made sense to give one of them a little bit of glory there because the women were both losing. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, just, I wish that would have ended the whole thing and that would have written Shane off. But I hope they have other plans to do that. It's, it's, maybe it's Survivor Series. They write Shane off somehow. But... Yeah, it's. I don't know how much more I can really stomach of this unless they really do something different with, with the with the writing here. Paul, what's your meter for uh, Shane McMahon tolerance right now? Where's that? Yeah, it's 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 pretty darn low. And uh, I'm with you, Tim. And <laughs> that I I was really happy with the finish of the match because I was like, okay, if we come into this and Shane McMahon beats Kevin Owens, you know, any way, any which way, that just means we're going to extend this storyline even further. And I don't think anybody wants that. But so when Kevin Owens went over, I was like, okay, great. Maybe this is it. We're done with Shane McMahon. And then, of course, on SmackDown Live, we're right back into Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens. So this is clearly going to continue on. And Joe, you mentioned you know being tired of Baron Corbin. I mean, how tired are we of Shane McMahon at this point? I mean, I just, oh, it's, I've it's had it, and, and I've been and I've been a Shane McMahon fan over the years. Me too. But, but at this point, it's just too much. It's just it's gone into, again. It's fatigue instead of just the the raw hatred. And I think that's that's a problem. That's where that's where people start tuning out. And I think that's where it becomes a little dangerous, where people start fast forwarding on their DVRs, like I do when it comes to Shane. I'm like, Ugh. and it's a, and in the past he was one of our like heroes. It's yeah, like, look welcome. at the, the billionaire boy who doesn't have to be taking these bumps, who does what he does, and he's just insane. And we love him. And he's become he went from endearing to annoying to tiresome. And annoying is fine, but when you get tiresome, that's the dangerous thing. And I'll tell you what, the one thing I'm not tired of ever is talking wrestling. And whenever we have somebody like Paul come in and give up some of his time to talk with us. It's a very special thing, and I want to thank Paul for joining us right now. Paul, you can follow on Twitter at Paul Kelly Tweets, and of course, check him out on Sirius XM Fantasy, uh, Sirius XM uh, two ten eighty seven every morning with John Hanson talking football. Paul, we love you. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, and hopefully, you'll join us again for another uh, recap someday. Absolutely, I appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun. All right, we're gonna hit a break. When we come back. We're gonna talk NXT Takeover, the aftermath. Who's trying to kill Roman Reigns now? I don't know. It could be Tim Heaney. We'll see more in this ring right after this. How'd you know? In this ring. Welcome back, everybody, to In This Ring. Joe Pizzapia and Top Hat Tim Heaney. We want to remind everybody, if you enjoy the program, subscribe. Come on. And, and share it with everybody and tell them that this is the greatest wrestling podcast in the history of the universe. Well, because it is. Because we're fun and we love it and uh, we're doing it out of it's just a labor of love, man. That's why Tim and I are here because we love the art form that is professional wrestling. And uh, it was a great weekend. Look, it was really fun. The aftermath we're going to get to now. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the return of one of the major players in the women's division. But first, mm -hmm. let's talk about TakeOver because, Tim, it was another banger. Oh. for NXT TakeOver. Now, it wasn't as great of a total package show as some of the other ones have been in the past, 
but the bar was very high for that. However, this hour long final opus between Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano was absolutely brilliant. I've watched it twice. I watched it once on my own on Saturday. And then when the kids came over, we had to rewatch it. And it is absolutely stunning. When you look at the build from the on the mat wrestling stuff going on to the third act of the play where they're dropping down the cage with barbed wire and weapons attached, where it just makes you realize like these guys are just, they're at the top, man. I don't care if they're six foot tall and 190 pounds. I don't care. They are at the top. There's nobody better than Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano when it comes to putting on a show. And they're, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't hear about the size. I don't hear anything else. Tim, did you enjoy this third one? Was it the best of the three? Or did you think that the gimmick kind of took something out of it? No, I think the gimmick, I think it, I mean, it, it looked like the Ambrose Asylum. So that kind of turned me off a little bit to the kind of the recognition of that. But it didn't take away from anything with the storytelling. You know, they, and, you know, Regal, when they, they actually spoiled it before the thing, because I guess you can't hide a cage up top. Um, even though they tried to, it was like under a black thing or something. But I, I think that it was, um, it was a proper ending if this is going to be the ending. I think it had to be this extreme. It had to be that. That that malicious, it had to be that violent, uh, and you know all the all the um, Panama sunrises countered and all that stuff by Gargano and, and just oh, the, all the, the quick counters, stuff. all that stuff was fantastic. So money, it's so good. The the pace that they worked out at the beginning was just unbelievable. I was like, mm-hmm. man, how are they at this pace now? And you know what? Really, amazing. Yeah, and yeah. like they were smart to take that trip around the arena where they just kind of walked it off mm-hmm. in the second one, <laughs> the street fight. That was smart. <laughs> And for all of the moments that I know there's pain in there, the only there was only one botch, which was that one swinging DDT off the top where Adam Cole hit his head on the top of the chair instead of in the middle of the chairs. Mm-hmm. That was the only moment where it was like, oh, but that I think that was just because they were tired. Like I think that that missed spot was just just sheer just tiredness and coming into it. So uh, overall, like this is five stars. This was another one of these incredible moments and of course afterwards johnny gargano getting the send-off so mm-hmm. that means where are we going with johnny gargano next uh, tim i hope he debuts the survivor series i think that'd be a good way to inject some some excitement back into that pay-per-view that we've talked about kind of falling to the wayside compared to some other ones it's supposed to be a big four make it a big four make gargano you know what i was thinking before i came on the show and you guys you mentioned we talked about shane with paul before imagine if johnny gargano is the one to put shane mcmahon out of his uh, wwe wrestling career how fantastic would that be as a babyface pop I'm I'm fine with that. I don't know how you kind of break into that, but I'm game. I just don't want him to get buried on 205 Live. Like I don't I know want... he doesn't deserve it. He's a he's a big match he's, performer, regardless he's, of size. You know, yeah. I'm not taking away anything from the 205 Live crew. They're great. They're super talented. But Johnny's Johnny's higher up, man. I'm sorry. He's yeah. earned that. He has earned that in these takeover matches. He's earned that with the trilogy with Ciampa. He's earned it with the trilogy with Adam Cole. It's funny because you know, Mauro Ronaldo, who obviously like, you know. If everything from the incredible alliteration to the incredibly funny things where he says nothing but nuts, stuff yeah. like that just absolutely kills me. He's the greatest and it just enhances the experience. But when you when you step back and you look at Gargano, it, he was right. He's talking about like Steamboat and Flair and he's talking about these amazing trilogies of matches. And guess what? Like Johnny's got two of them now. That's incredible, Tim. That is incredible in this day and age. And then the Almas match, which we didn't even talk about before we talked about Almas. That, that was just an immaculate match oh, to begin with. Beautiful. Brilliant. Beautiful brilliant. match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Women's match with Shayna Baszler and Mia Yim, I actually thought was a little bit disappointing. I really Yes, did. it was. I thought of all the ones in this one kind of like, meh, you know, and Shayna still chill champ. You know, that's fine. This is what it is. But 
I thought the EO Candice match was awesome. This was tremendous. I love the new ring attire for EO. I love the entrance. Uh, another one of these wrestlers that works better as a heel. I'm sorry. In the mm-hmm. ring, she just she's nastier. She has an edge. The moves look everything's crisp. Uh, and Candice does not get enough credit. You know, she just goes out there and she put on a show, man. I think the two of them had great chemistry in the ring. This was this felt like a fight. And I think that's the thing that you're looking for. Like sometimes the matches don't feel like fights. They feel a little bit like choreography because they have so much time to work on them compared to some of the main roster people having time. And that was not the case with this one. This felt like a, two people wanted to kill each other, and I loved it. If not for the main event of NXT TakeOver, I think EO Candice probably was the match of the weekend. 100%. 100%. Um, the, I agree with you 100%. It's the second best match of the whole weekend. You're the right. The emotions in that match are just immense. I mean, it, and they told the, the, best, the best friends turning on each other thing really well and, you know, kind of a, the short window of NXT episodes that you get there. And, you know, Io Shirai is just brilliant. I hope she's the next champion. I Let think me tell you, the, she should be the next champ. She yep. should be the next champ. And Canada, they're going to, this is like the Johnny Gargano thing. Mm-hmm. She's going to have a trilogy of matches with Io Shirai that's going to be amazing. And this was the first of the trio. I'm telling you, it was going to be, and it was a perfect I'm ending to get some rub too. I agree with you. She needs a hundred percent. And you know what? I think that y- the, the ending was perfect too. having her not tap out, just, mm-hmm. just pass out. That was the right way to go. Uh, Velveteen Pete Dunn, Roderick strong was, was fine. It was good. It was not, um, I don't know. It, it, I, I like Pete Dunn. I think a lot of people enjoy the Pete Dunn, concept more than they enjoy pete dunn when all said and done (laughs) i I like that i like that (laughs) it's true like they like the idea of him but you know i have i have to say this as as talented as pete dunn is i understand that it's a different style i'm not against the style i just don't think it works as well as everybody else does i just find him to be good not he doesn't blow my mind like a lot of people just lose their mind about pete dunn i don't get lost for pete dunn I, I think his, his stock was elevated with the Tyler Bate feud, and Tyler Bate is just a natural, I think. Um, well, that's not, a good point. That's a huge point. You're right. Not to say Dunn isn't, but it's just, I think that clash worked. I think Dunn doing the same thing a little bit with everybody doesn't always work as well. And Velveteen Dream is actually kind of a guy that, you know, clashes with some some styles as well. I think, you know, I, we've, I've been talking up Roddy. Uh, I thought he was going to win this match, and he's, he's kind of was the glue that held this match together because Roddy just is a warrior. <laughs> Um, kind of held the, the dream done inconsistencies together with his uh, just outright, you know, you know, Yemen's like work there. So it was nice. I, I mean, we've seen better matches from Dream, uh, but you know, out of five, I guess I have to give this a four. Still, yeah. Still the entrance. Uh, listen, the but. entrance was better than the match. That's not a good thing. <laughs> the match was good, but the entrance was yeah. better. The entrance was really fun with the Mounties right. thing. I thought he was going to come out on a horse. I really did. <laughs> I just thought, like when he when I saw the Mountie hats with the with the dancers, I went, "Oh my god, he's gonna come out on a horse, isn't he?" And that's gonna be amazing, <laughs> even if it was a fake horse. I don't care. Like I don't care what it was, just you know, or it was like a stick pony, you know, like the pony yeah. with the head and the stick. You know, I have when you're a kid. That would have been hysterical too, but uh, alas, I didn't get it. It was. I think it's time to put the belt on Roddy Asher. I think Velveteen I, needs some other stuff to do. It should have been. I, I think that. You know, the whole Undisputed Era thing last, it was very interesting the way that Cole was the only one that won. But we'll get to that, I guess, a little bit with the next one. All right, you had Matt Riddle getting into a Killian Dane, which was good. I'm glad they put Matt Riddle on the card in some Mm -hmm. fashion. I'm glad he was on the show. So good job there. And then the last one, which was the first show, uh, first match of the night in the show, was uh, Street Profits and uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, which was awesome, which was fun. Mm -hmm. It was Probably, you know, after EO, I guess the third best, if you want to rank them in terms of match. And these guys know how to get the party, man. They they get out there. They do it. 
Kyle O'Reilly is just one of my favorites. I just love Kyle O'Reilly. I love everything he does in the ring. It's so great. And um, he's a really good douchebag too. He does. Oh, oh, it's so good. He's so good at what he does. He really is. And, and the in-ring work is brilliant with these guys and look, street profits are really taking off and they deserve all the credit because they're doing double, triple duty sometimes. And they're crushing it as that little in between kind of whatever this is that they're doing in between spots to just kind of keep the show moving. It's working for me. The bits are working. It's totally, it's great. I love it. And they're keeping what they're saying fresh. That's the most important part. They're, yeah. they're actually, they're, they're like the, they're like the Shakespearean chorus or whatever. Yes. The they're chorus. like the dumb show in between like the things that kind of keep everything moving. And you know what? Theatrically it's, it's terrific. It's helping the product. It really right. is. Well, Montez, just, Montez just loses chemistry. The guys, he does. And you know what though? Yeah. But Angelo Dawkins was a guy I was kind of, I was on the fence about a couple months ago, but now, mm-hmm. you know, between the Nikki cross stuff, that's really working between <laughs> like all this stuff that he's been doing. It's he sold me. I'm I'm all in now with Dawkins too. I think they do a terrific job. They did a great job playing up his size advantage in the match too. Um, you know, the, he's a bigger guy. They kind of he's kind of throwing them around a little bit. They did a really nice job of really emphasizing that. So yeah, kudos to that as well. All right, so uh, let's talk about the big return, which was of course mm-hmm. Sasha Banks coming back, and I loved the way they had it, brought her back. Came out with the pink hair. Oh, don't worry, Natty. Uh, your dead father. Oh, boy. And then whack. And then she takes the hair off and it's the blue hair. And, you know, people are already kind of crushing her because then Becky comes out and she takes the chair to Becky. Everything there was right. Finally, I think we have an opponent for Becky since Charlotte that's worthy, that everybody's excited about. Sasha is a heel. Thank God. It's about damn time. It's so overdue. Um, I think yeah. she's going to come back with an edge. And look, the reason why Becky caught any part of that chair with her head was not Sasha's fault, okay? Trust me, I'm telling you right now, as somebody who is, you know, who's taken a fair amount of punches and kicks and things like that in his lifetime in terms of not getting beat up at school, but in terms of being a professional fight choreographer in life, she was in the wrong spot there. She kept moving the target. If you're taking shots like that, you have to stay as the target within a certain range. She kept moving during the swings. That was a bad job by Becky. Becky put herself in harm's way. And if any part of that chair hit her, it's not Sasha Banks' fault. So Sasha's guilty of a lot of botches at times, Mm -hmm. but this one's not one of them. So I don't want to hear it, but I was excited. My kids were stoked. I was stoked that she came back. It was, I think, better to do it that way than to do it at SummerSlam. I think it had more impact. Mm -hmm. I think it was overall better. So are you excited for the return of Sasha Banks? Yeah, it was it was a, it was nicely done. I think that we it's kind of you know don't know what you got till it's gone syndrome because they were booking Sasha terribly and now getting rejuvenation of the character is very nice. The uh, the wig change reminded me of like the Sting taking off the fake mask to reveal his same same face paint. I don't know what the deal with that was supposed to be dramatic for, uh, but yeah, I, I think Sasha being the foil to Becky was good. I think you know this could run into Survivor Series or wherever Royal Rumble if they wanted to. Uh, I, I I hope they kind of like if they're not going to give Sasha the belt immediately, like you better like stall this out. But, uh, yeah, very nice. I'm glad she's back. Talented performer. And I agree with you. Becky was kind of moving a little too much there. So maybe the lack of communication between them hurt. So. All right. Here's a question for you. Do you think Sasha's the person to take the belt off Becky and have a little run here? Because, you know, I can only imagine that that's part of the deal. And I actually think Becky could use that. She could use to chase a little bit. Yep. I think at this stage in the fall. And I think maybe you want her in this feud that's maybe red hot come October. And then maybe you want to switch over and have Becky lose and then chase through the end of the year into Royal Rumble and maybe have, you know, Becky be that Rumble person again and have her win again, which I think would be great because then you could, you know, really play that up again. I think Sasha's very believable to be the one to take a belt off her. 
because obviously her resume is incredible. So, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I think she's got to be the one. I don't really see anybody else in the women's division really being worthy of that. So, yeah, might as well pull the trigger now while, while the, the energy's back, back with Sasha's character again. Okay, so the other thing that happened, too, was uh, we got two unexpected absolute bangers of matches. Seriously. One on SmackDown, <laughs> one on Raw. Actually, you know, you could make the, you know, it's always great when Andrade and, and Rey Mysterio, are in, but we already know that. Sure. So it's sure. it's the unexpected ones, which was Cedric and Drew McIntyre, which was absolutely fantastic. Yep. Okay, I just, that crowd was absolutely right. It was awesome. It was start to finish awesome, and it is also the reason why I think it's always better to pair those bigger guys with the smaller guys, and that's why they like to work together. You know, the big guy, the bigs versus the bigs is always a tough sell for me. Kane versus Undertaker always bored the hell out of me. Like, I just, I don't care, you know, <clears throat> but I care when it's Cedric and, and Drew McIntyre because props to Drew too, going to the top rope, doing Spanish flies, doing stuff where I think that was Drew McIntyre's uh, opportunity to remind everybody, hey, I'm the next guy. And I think mm-hmm. that he did that with authority on Monday night. No, it's fantastic. Drew could move for a guy his size. It wasn't, didn't really surprise me much at all. And and Cedric just, you know, we always rag about how bad his character is and how he's, you know, written to be this, 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 you know, kind of lackey type of secondary guy. But, you know, in the ring, based on just, you know, whatever he does in the in the squared circle alone, it's just, you know, it's elite. He's he, he's a guy that can just carry a match. And, and yeah, these these two was a great contrast, great pace. And and yeah, just a really, really <laughs> nice standout. Uh, it's something you needed to do for a Raw in the same city as SummerSlam. You need to have something like that. Yeah, and and it was, yeah. and they gave you also, and they gave you Almas and uh, Rey Mysterio, which was the right thing. Almas needed to win both of those great. falls, yep. and that was perfect. That was exactly right. Start building him up to, you know, it's funny because after this weekend, you sit back and you go, man. And I said it a couple of weeks ago on this show, WWE is an embarrassment of riches in terms of talent. It's the usage and misusage of the talent that does them in. It's not the people on the roster. It's the way they utilize the people on the roster or fail to. And when you sit back and you let the best people out there, when you have Cedric Alexander fighting and then you have Buddy Murphy on SmackDown, this whole Buddy Murphy thing came out of nowhere and it is fantastic. You know why? Because it came out of nowhere. And I think that's exactly (laughs) sometimes what you need to do. You just need to say, screw it. Here you go. Here's Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns. And guess what? It was awesome. I mean, Buddy Murphy, we've, we've sung his praises way too much on this show to be a surprise. Yeah, but you know what? Us, he deserves it all. And he you does. Know what? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And, and and Roman and it makes Roman look like a beast, too. And Paul and I were talking about it before, you know, the show when uh, we were just chatting from the pre-show. That, you know, when when he takes a spear from Roman Reigns and does a flip, it makes Roman look like, like a monster, like a Superman. You know, Superman punch looks like a Superman punch when Buddy Murphy takes it. And, you know, it doesn't look the same when Brock Lesnar takes it or when Braun Strowman takes it. It's not the same. Yeah, Buddy Murphy's just magnificent, and you know, nice to see Roman Reigns have these have these crazy matches once in a while because you know he's kind of entrenched as, as the guy. But you know, he, he can go. I don't I don't care what anybody says. If you hate on Roman wrestling, still, you're really not paying attention. Uh, um, you know, well, we're we're the broken record on that. We've been saying this for years now, and I think people are finally getting over it. I think it was more just people getting upset about the booking and the him yep. being pushed in. And I think it was also because overall the product was just kind of stale. Now you're getting that influx of NXT people. You're getting that influx of more athletic wrestlers with the ricochets, with the Cedrics, with Buddy Murphy, where sometimes all you got to do is let the wrestling speak for itself. Like sometimes it ain't that deep. Sometimes you just put the good booking out there and you just step back and you just watch them play. And it just, that's all you need to do. And then it just kind of takes care of itself and people get interested just to watch 
And then you can have little things like the Street Profits in between and find your entertainment elsewhere. So that was really good. This was a very solid weekend for WWE start to finish. And I think mm-hmm. a necessary one because I think this makes people excited. SummerSlam, they needed people to leave Toronto on Tuesday night going, I'm excited to see what's going on next. And I think overall, that's how I left feeling those four days. I mean, yeah, it, it, it seemed like there's actually a good look to the future with all this stuff. I mean, the Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Rowan stuff, and Buddy Murphy, that was, you got some interesting layers there. And and yeah, you're really just kind of like really looking forward to the main event stuff. I mean, you know, Randy Orton still in the feud besides. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was actually, you know, reminding myself why wrestling is cool this weekend. I mean, NXT was a peak. I was saying top that, you know, main roster, hashtag evergreen tweet. But, you know, the, for, what, for, for what their limitations are, the main roster did a good job of kind of continuing that momentum of NXT. And uh, yeah, very, very happy about what happened. Yeah. Oh, look, anything else aftermath wise from Raw or SmackDown that popped for you that you thought was noteworthy? Uh, no, I'm trying, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, just the commentary with Sasha Banks thing did bother me. I'll say that. You, you know what? I'm glad you said that because it bothered I me I forgot too. about that. Okay. I don't understand something. Okay. You're Corey Graves. You're the heel announcer. If that mm-hmm. person comes out and then changes to a heel, you should immediately embrace them. If that's your role as the announcer. Now, I don't know if I'm blaming Corey Graves or I'm blaming Vince McMahon or who I'm blaming. But Michael Cole was, Renee for starting the chain off as being, you know, whatever. Yeah, It was infuriating. Corey yep. Graves talking about Sasha Banks, like in this whole thing again. Like, I understand, like, if she's the face and he's talking, you know, crap about it all the time. But he should be turning immediately and saying things like, good for her. Finally, taking things into yep. her hands, being who she's supposed to be. This is the real one. Don't pretend anymore. Like, that's where you, that's the angle. Oh, God, it is the only thing that whole weekend that really pissed me off. And that's saying a lot because usually there's something that pisses me off. And and Michael Cole not giving a shit about Natty's uh, dad dying. She's talking about her dad. And he's like, oh, it's boss time. It's like, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to be the baby face, quote unquote. You're cheering for that happening. Yeah. Well, they put him in a bad spot because of the way she came out. You know, there's yeah. nothing else to do, do except say it's boss time. You know, you're going to say, oh, my God, why is she interrupt? You know, you, it's a bigger deal that she's back than it is about what she's interrupting, which is unfortunate. But it was uh, from an announced standpoint, right, it was way. handled. He, he should just been. It was more of a question like what's happening? It's it's boss time now. And this is like right. there were there were so many better ways. The announced team failed again miserably. And it's funny because every time you watch an NXT weekend. And you go back to watching Raw and SmackDown. You just you just want to like claw your ears out because you're just like you, you're killing me. You kill me. SmackDown a little bit better because I still like Tom. I think he does a good job. But yep, you know, you listen to Beth Phoenix, you listen to Mauro Ronaldo, and you listen to Nigel McGuinness, and that is a great grouping of wrestling announcers. It feels like a sporting event. That's what it's supposed to feel like. Ugh, awful. Mm-hmm. Corey Graves. Look, I, it's it's not and like Michael not, Cole. You can't, you can't you can't absolve him here. Either. Yeah, but like it's ten years. I'm I'm just over like you know <laughs> I'm just over pounded on Michael Cole for stuff. But Corey Graves, like they have to pick Switch. a role for him. Yeah, is he the Bobby the Brain Heenan? I love all the heels and all the good guys are stupid, or is he or the just, guy that floats between play by play and then and then that role? It's just it's right. so muddy and stupid. It makes no sense, and it and it does him a disservice. So it's not even him. It's the what they've put him in. And somebody should fix it because he's going to ruin the Sasha Banks thing if they keep going and it's going to be annoying. Like he needs to embrace her as the heel. Otherwise, it's 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 going to hurt the feud with Becky Lynch because who is he going to talk? So he's going to talk crap about Becky and Sasha when they're fighting each other. That makes no sense. Uh, I mean, narrative you know, dissonance is just it's, it's terrible. And Corey, I love that's going to be our stable, by the way. That's going to be our wrestling Na- stable. <laughs> narrative, narrative dissonance. dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> 
You down with ND? <laughs> Let's go get the shirts made up. Let's do it. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so look, overall, solid weekend of wrestling for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely fun. Maybe it didn't have some of the high points of last SummerSlam uh, because it's it was hard to top. I was in the building for that one and having, you know, seeing the demon and seeing the turn of Becky Lynch mm-hmm. and seeing Roman win that belt. There were there was a lot of high points uh, to last year's SummerSlam. But I think overall, this was a, a better card start to finish. And certainly... Yep. Raw SmackDown again, starting to utilize the talent we have, the Aleister Blacks, these people, the Cesaros, these people who are great at what they do. Please don't give me no way, Jose. I don't need it. I they, don't. They, they, they did, but yeah, I know, but don't give it. I don't want it. And I'm excited about King of the Ring. It's yeah, another it great fun. opportunity to to maybe maybe restart a Chad Gable, maybe restart some people like that where you can get into it and get some of these dudes once again into it. And I'll tell you what. I think they should very much do a female King of the Ring as well. I think that would be a fantastic idea and the perfect thing to do, you know, as you hit the fall. So let's let's yeah. hope that that's uh, that's going to happen as well. So uh, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at Joe Pisa Pia 17 and at Tim Team Heaney. You know, it's taking me a while to get there at Team Heaney. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I want to thank Paul Kelly again. You can follow him at Paul Kelly tweets. And uh, we want to thank him again for joining us on the show today and remind everybody to listen to In This League. And join the ITL army and, of course, subscribe to In This Ring and share it with everybody and uh, tell everybody how much you enjoy the program because we know you do. We see you listening. We know how it is. So that'll do it for me and Tim. There's only one thing to do, and that's remind everybody to be the men. You got to beat the men. And we are the men. Woo! It's boss time? <laughs>